This is well above our position in the party. So you think I should tell him? Well, I think at some stage we need to talk about what we all find, but we have to be careful, you know, especially you. The Apocalypse Players present Machine Tractor Station Kharkov 37. We have stolen telegraph poles, lights mounted on top, pointing down into a half-finished silo, which has at least a body in it, filled with a liquid. A Call of Cthulhu scenario written by Brett Kramer, with Danon McAleer as Senior Lieutenant Grigor Fyodorov of the Red Army. Doctor, I, all I can assume is that these people went mad. There's no sense here. Joseph Chance, as Senior Sergeant Dr. Vissarian Bayo Ivanovich Yuskov Lyubimova of the Red Army. Complete madness, then they leave, they piss everywhere, they shit everywhere, they start trying to fuck each other. You see what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a medical doctor, I have experience in these things. Dominic Allen, as Administrator Major Yuri Kopolev of the Telegraph Service of the Soviet Union. He looked like the little child whose babushka has caught him with his hands in the cookie jar. No borscht for him tonight. And Dan Wheeler, as everybody else. You want me to take him out? Tonight maybe I take him out. The rabbit carcass was buried as the men requested, but the foul stench of death lingered on the lieutenant's hands. Would you like to take a short break? No. Continue. Please. Very well. They were on the road to MTSK-37 when they noticed a section of telegraph lines and poles was missing. When they arrived, they found the station deserted, Buildings had been badly damaged, some were destroyed. There was evidence of fire, and the men dug through the ashes to look for human remains. The men noticed a stillness, an absence of growth, dustiness to the place. Major Kopolev discovered a nest of mice, and on putting his hand to them, they disintegrated under his touch. However, the part of the site that drew their attention was the grain silos. There was evidence from the mess kitchen that people had been cooking shoe leather, so there was a curiosity as to the state of the food supply for sure. However, this was not the most notable thing about one particular silo. The missing telegraph poles appeared to have been rigged around it, with a makeshift lighting array pointing at it, attached to an electrification truck. For what purpose? They could only guess. Fyodorov himself climbed the silo, put his head into a hole to take a look, and was once more overwhelmed with the smell and sense of death. When he held his lamp into the hole, a disfigured face loomed up at him from the liquid within. Dr. Lyubimova is uh, at, at the bottom of the silo in question. I, I, think in his, I think in his experience of witnessing men seeing things that they wish they weren't seeing, 
So unfortunately, he has, has quite a lot of experience of in his 55 years. He recognizes the tensing of the shoulders of uh, Senior Lieutenant Pyotrov and, and, and maybe the twitch, the, the, the spasm of the neck muscle. And he calls up and says, Is everything all right? How close is this face to me? It's not close enough to touch. From what you can tell, the surface of the liquid, I don't want to say water because you, you thought it had a sort of glossy, oily sheen to it. The surface of the liquid is about six feet down from the hole. Right. So you've just seen a glimpse of this face in, in the lamplight. I'm not saying this is what you want to do, but if you want to try and fish it out, you would need an implement. Mm. And then obviously there are the doors at the bottom. I mean, I, I lost uh, some sanity, so I'm, it's unsettled me. Certainly has. Did I notice it moving or did it look like a sort of what could just be a corpse, a bloated corpse in the tank floating in some sort of slipstream in the... On first look, it looked like it had just come loose and floated to the top of the liquid. Right. It, it didn't rise up above the liquid. It just floated to the surface of the water, the liquid. I think what I want to do is sort of take my head out of the hole, take a breath of air, and sort of think about what I what I want to do. I think that's my move here because there's part mm-hmm. of me that there's part of me that wants to get the fuck straight down. There's also part of me that knows I'll never climb up there again if I don't. I, I there's a part of me that wants to check whether it's just a cesspit of corpses in there or one body floating that might have fallen in accidentally. I'm trying to convince yeah. myself of that. Uh, Dr. Lubimova, is there anything you want to do? Does he reply, or is there a sort of studied silence? If I hear your... Uh, is everything all right? I think I just turn to you and sort of nod, but not in a particularly convincing way, sort of a, a knowing sort of, no, everything's not all right, but just give me a, <laughs> a moment here, if that's translatable. So we're, in, we're number seven, right? Uh, yes, exactly. The ABC of the silos on the map. Yes, exactly. Number seven, you're at B. And we and we, we had a little look at A and C, didn't we? But they, they seem perfectly normal. I think you went straight for the middle one because it was, you know, the curiosity. Is there anything unusual about C or A that I can see? I, I guess that's what the only thing I want to see. From where you are, C is completely unfinished. It's just got the foundation. Ah, uh, that was it. Yes, it was, yeah. You can see that they're going to be building a silo there, but it's it's completely unfinished. And then the the first one from where you are, it's got uh, it's got Lenin's face on. It's the set. It's a, you know the same sort of shape and size as the middle one. The middle one actually isn't finished either. The top is open. Yeah. So the first one, the top is closed off. It has access doors at the bottom, and it has a grain hopper at the top. But there's nothing from from the outside. There's nothing unusual about the first one and how many men do we have left down here just quickly before we head to the truck and Kopolov so we left two in the barn two in the medical I think you've put uh, you put four to work maybe in the infirmary two to work in the barn so you've got in, in your little squadron here your little squad here you've got Kovalevsky and two more troopers but there's a whole other squadron who are just sort of Resting easy, idling, like chilling out, getting all the stuff out, maybe working out. They're still waiting to find out whether they're supposed to be putting up the tents or taking over one of the barrack buildings. We decide, I I remember deciding we'll use Kovaleski's guys because he's more likely to be. There are too few men. We should all stick together. 
I think I mutter under my breath, what the hell have we got ourselves into here? Uh, and then I say to the sergeant... Kovalevsky. Yeah, right? And Trepanov isn't with us either. Trepanov uh, has... He, he, he ran after Kopolev. Da. Um, Kopolev, as far as I recall, went straight for the truck to see whether he could... He seemed really fixated in the idea of um, starting the truck and getting the lights turned on. Da, uh, da. We, will, we, will come to, we will come to Kopolev in a minute because obviously he wasn't able to do that immediately. Otherwise, the lights would be on. Kovalevsky, I will say this. I think I'm changing my mind. Kovalevsky, yeah. we need reinforcements. Five men from the other uh, squad. Send one of your two. Sure, I'll send. Uh, I'll send Yelensky over to um, bring back half that squad. I don't like the look of this. I say. No, no, I certainly don't like the look of this. This is um, giving me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> so he sends Yelensky back to. I mean, it, it's fairly small this area, so it'll only take you know. Five minutes for him to get there, five minutes for him to get back with, uh, with some reinforcements. So while you're standing down there looking up at Fyodorov, do you want to give me a spot hidden, um, Dr. Lyubimova? Is this the lucky die? Come on, lucky die. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Spot hidden, I have passed because it's good, I remember. Okay, great. So you notice while you're looking up at Fyodorov that... Even if the major was able to start the truck, it's unlikely that their lights would come on because it looks like the wires that they've rigged up are sort of damaged. The circuit's broken. One of the poles actually has has come down. It looks like where, where the hole is, where uh, the lieutenant's looking through, the, the pole that's nearest that hole has sort of been been knocked down and split in two, so that's pulled down the wire. So basically the circuit's broken. Yeah, take notes. I'm going to unclip my Nagant, which is a sort of nervous... Uh, well, it's nervous. they're both Nagant. The Tulamash. But it's a nervous... I've got the rifle, actually, over, over one shoulder, which I'm gripping hard. But I'm going to unclip the, the pistol and lean on it. The breath of fresh air and I think the feeling of... After all the shit I've given my men for being too superstitious, even though I eventually caved <laughs> to their demands, I'm definitely looking back through with the lantern and just seeing if I can study the surface of the water, see if there is more than one body in there. Or see if I was just, you know, seeing a swirl of some other bit of offal that, <laughs> you know, confused me in the moment. Okay, so you um, peer back in again and you see the liquid again six feet down. You see the the face that you saw before and the body. It's a human body, but it's disfigured as well as you think maybe bloated by being underwater, you can just about make out that this it's the figures wearing some kind of uniform and there are other shapes in the water, but you couldn't really, you can't really see what they are. But the thing that's, I mean, the stench is really overpowering. So I'd like you to give me another constitution roll. Just pop on down and check. In fact, isn't isn't pop on down part of the squad? <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Uh, I well, I succeeded on my constitution. Great. Okay, so you managed to hold down the next bomb, but I, I I don't know how much longer you can cope. Yeah, I can't. I can't like 
there's no way I can sort of try and check insignia. It's, he's submerged, I suppose. It's like one's wearing a uniform and the others are shapes. Yeah, you, you, you no, there's nothing. You can't. It's, he's six foot down. It's dark. Yeah, that's pretty much all you can make out. Okay, in which case, I think you'd you'd have to get him out if you wanted to have a better look. I'm going to pull out. <laughs> okay, and my lantern, <laughs> and uh, make my way down. Okay. Meanwhile, shall we go over and have a look at uh, Triepanov and Kopolev? You two who, by the silo, had noticed some sort of discussion, some commotion going over on the truck, because I think you were expecting, uh, as far as I remember, Kopolev said, I'm going to go and start the truck. And Dr. Lubomova was saying, I'm not sure whether that's a good idea. So you've been keeping an eye on him to see, you know, what's going on over there. And there has been some kind of commotion. It looked like they weren't quite getting in the cab so Kopolev when you arrived there mm. this is a this is what's called a rural electrification truck it's something you you're probably aware of from your time with the telegraph service it's been uh, it's been sort of modified to be effectively a mobile generating unit there's a big motto on the side when you first, the first thing you saw when you came across and the motto says rural electrification plus soviet power equals communism the first thing you saw when you're about 20 feet away was a blood splatter on the driver's side window and the windshield. Oh, dear. I'm assuming you did go a little bit closer because you've been there. Well, if uh, I did not realize the blood splatter immediately. So I shall, um, as soon as I see it, I shall exercise caution. Mm-hmm. Triapanev is with me, right? Da, da. Triapanev, you see this blood splatter. <laughs> da. It is most concerning. It, um, it's dried. It looks old. Hmm. Don't open the door just yet. And I'm going to walk just around the truck and see if I can see an entry shot, a bullet hole or anything like that, um, that suggests that the person who was... The blood's on the interior, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to just see if anyone has shot them from outside. There is a bullet hole in the driver's side window. Good. That's a good thing. But you uh, you can't immediately tell whether it's on the way in or on the way out. Ah, that's a bad thing. Uh, I said to Trepanev, there is this bullet hole here, but if this is an exit hole, then um, we have to assume that the driver committed suicide. This is a very unsocialist thing to do. Duh. <laughs> it raises problematic questions. Uh, unless, unless the driver decided he was um, a drain. He was a burden. Maybe it was a very socialist thing to do. Mm. Well, we could stand here and argue the finer points of ideology all, all day if we wanted to, mm. which we cannot. Oh, well, it's just, you disappoint me, Major. I think if he was a drain on society and he knew it, he should have worked harder for the state. And the one thing that is clear is if he has committed suicide, he has also damaged party property in the process. Da, da, da. What concerns me, however, is a man does not simply get into a truck and shoot themselves in the middle of a farm. There must have been some catalyst for this behaviour. I do not think it was necessarily stress, because I think if it was stress, 
he would have done it somewhere more private. What I'm saying is, we must use caution when we open the doors. Yes, yes. Good. So be careful when you open the door, Triapanov. <laughs> and I step back. <laughs> so Triapanov, he, uh, he's, he's fine with this. He steps forward. He gets his hand on the, the door of the cab and he opens it. And um, immediately obvious is a, a corpse, a slightly desiccated corpse of someone in uniform, sort of slumped over with a, a pistol in his hand. Do you want to give me a spot hidden, Major Kopolev? Yes. Yes, I'd love to. Oh, we're so close. I'm going to spend five points of luck. Right. Okay. So you you notice first that he's wearing a thick, heavy Red Army winter jacket. But you realise as, uh, as Triepanov pushes him back against the seat, you spot that underneath his jacket is an Ogpu uniform. Now, uh, I can't remember what Ogpu stands for. It's basically the, the organisation that existed as the secret police before the NKVD were established, and after, after the Cheka. So they are, um, <clears throat> they're, like, they're, the, they're like the Gestapo. So that's internal, rather than KGB being external, right? Exactly, Okay. yeah. Although I don't think the KGB existed. Yeah, no, no. they're miles away, aren't they? No, they, it would have been the GRU. Oh, good. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> acronym off. <laughs> Akronimov. He's, he's, he's part of the company too, isn't he? Akronimov. <laughs> Stop it. Akronimov. Akronimov. Akronimov is in charge of, of political correctness. <laughs> Good luck. So he can tell us if we are using the correct acronyms, <laughs> which department to submit our petitions to. So um, Triepanov uh, leans over, uh, leans straight over the body and um, grabs something on the seat and pulls it out and offers it out to you and says, take a look at this. And what he holds out is a, a leather satchel, also blood splattered. Hands it over to you. Let's take a look. What's that noise? I, I, it's a helicopter. <laughs> like a Chinook or something. Have you called a, have you called a Chinook in? I've called in an airstrike. Okay. No, they're just, they're just, uh, they're just moving the Queen's dead body around. <laughs> I live very centrally now I'm, I'm privy to all this stuff They tell you when you move into zone one They say uh, You know the Queen's dead, right? Um, <laughs> you can't put that in the podcast Because it's illegal to broadcast that <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI We can't put it out until after she dies uh, Yeah, then it's a matter of historical yeah. record um, This was recorded just yesterday <laughs> I don't know what's real anymore <laughs> he holds out this leather satchel and says, take a look at this. Oh, I flip it, flip it open. Very cautiously. Inside there is a, there's a map of the area, um, which is very much like the map that you all have, showing the tractor station and the kolkhozes that surround it. A box of shells for the pistol that's been opened. They've sort of spit, been clumsily opened, so the shells are all spilled all over the bag. There's a tin that looks like it's got pencils in. There's ink and a fountain pen. And you also find a small wrapper of what looks like pills. But you can't be sure what they are. And then there's um, a harmonica, a pack of peppermints, 
and a sketchbook. Ah, right. First question. The map. Is there anything marked on the map that is not marked on the maps we have? Anything that stands out as different? As characters, you don't have maps. I've given you the map to, you know, to literally give you an idea of what you saw on the way in. But the only physical map is the one you've just found. So uh, I'm going to flick through this the sketchbook as well then. Okay. It's about the most Lovecraftian thing you could do right now. I'll just flip through that sketchbook. Well, I've got to check to see if it's you know if there's anything dissident going on. <laughs> exactly. Might be sketching like I don't know naked ladies, naked American ladies, for instance. For instance, or um. How would you def- how would you man. distinguish between naked American ladies or Russian lady? It would be obvious. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it will be decadent and capitalist. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Their boobs and their bottoms would be decadent and capitalist. <laughs> what can I tell you about this sketchbook? He has drawn a picture of Marilyn Monroe. It's about a third full of pencil sketches, um, and they're mostly really mundane, not even particularly good. But socialist realist. That's all that matters. They, they are, yeah. Good, good. Um, trees, snow-covered buildings, soldiers, um, and the final sketch in the book... Is a, is a view uh, from from the truck. You can see it's the view of the silo with the lights pointing around it. I cited Trepanev well. At least none of it was cubist. But but actually the final entry in the book isn't a sketch. It's a journal entry. Hmm. And I can send that to you, to you and not the others, because you might not want to share it. Yuri Kopolev. At gmail.co.uk. <laughs> While you're reading that, give me an intelligence roll. While you're looking, while you're looking at the journal, um, I'm going to spend eight luck to make that a success. You are spending luck like it's going out of fashion. <laughs> I've got loads of the stuff. So, as you look at this book, there's just something slightly odd about the fact that the handwriting in this, what looks like a journal entry, is so clear and precise and looks very deliberate. And it strikes you that it's in sharp contrast to the sketches in the book, which look to you quite rushed and naive. Maybe they are not sketches for someone who's, um, you know, a keen artist. They're almost like doodles or... Like he's just wanted to fill the pages up for the sake of filling the pages up. I'll just leave that with you. Hmm. I see. I'm going to go back to the others. Fyodorov, are you making your way down from the... I would like to. If I need to roll anything for that, then let me know. Yeah, I think because you've had a bit of a a scare, I'd I'd like you to give me a climb roll to get down. Just a regular climb roll. Ah, okay. Not great, but, you know, not too bad. I succeed. Okay, you're down safely. You, you're down on solid ground. You have a bit of a shake, but you, you steady yourself. You can see there's a few, still a few troops around who uh, you don't want to look too weak in front of them, so you manage to compose yourself. Mm. Uh, I'm making a beeline to you straight away as you say my name. Lieutenant. Uh, Bayo, I work. Yes, of course. 
I, I want to just be. I want to look casual, but just slightly out of earshot of the the two infantrymen who were with us. I take my pipe out. I'll, I'll light a Turkish as well. Um, uh, there's at least one body in there. It's mostly filled with a dark sort of liquid. I don't know whether oil or water. But my main question is, do we let Kopolev know this? Certainly, I think it will spook the men. I think we need to leave this place as soon as we can. Let's get out of here as soon as we possibly can. I sent for five more from the the standing unit, just because... This made me feel uncomfortable. In which case, I will just say that it is, uh, it's filled with a liquid, the, gr- the grain has gone bad, the rain has filled it up, it's unfinished. Uh, we, we don't need to investigate further. I think this through, Lieutenant, forgive me, but Tats here, these people, they're clearly checking on um, the, the facility itself. This facility is doing something that we do not know. We are, you know, you know, of course you know that we are... This is this is well above our position in the party. So you think I should tell him? No, well, I think at some stage we need to talk about what we all find, but we have to be careful, you know? Especially you. Especially you. For now, I will say I didn't see anything specific. Very good. I wanted to let you know. No, I understand. You think he died by being pushed in there just once? It's one? hard to say. But whatever they're looking for, I don't trust them to... Uh, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm concerned about disease. The the burning behind those um, barns. They managed to get those doors open. All that would happen is rust and disease-filled water will flood everywhere. And I think we need to understand why they would try to... All these lights, I don't understand. And also, the, they are no longer collected. Look, and I gesture up to the... Uh, disconnected cables. Doctor, all I can assume is that these people went mad. There's no sense here. We have stolen telegraph poles, lights mounted on top, pointing down into a half-finished silo, which has at least a body in it, filled with a liquid. Forgive me, Lieutenant, but my experience of madness is not this. Madness is chaos. Madness is not dedicated action like this. This is someone is trying to do something. This is very established. This is someone trying to achieve something, even within madness, which means that there is something still going on. Complete madness, then they leave, they piss everywhere, they shit everywhere, they start trying to fuck each other. You see what I'm saying? I take your point. No offense meant, but I'm a medical doctor. I have experience in these things. When people lose, dementia is not like this. This is the stage before. This is the stage before dementia, yes. I, I agree with you. People are losing their minds here. Possibly out of stress. Possibly out of... There is something that we are missing. I am absolutely sure of this. Yes, whatever it is, I don't want to find it by catching it. <laughs> no, of course. And neither do I. <laughs> you yes. As we finish our cigarettes, I just say, yes, I'm, I'm well aware you have far more experience than me in pissing and shitting yourself all over the place. But believe me, sometimes there can be order and madness. The doctor does his big laugh, which, which no one can ever quite tell whether he means it or not. Like Gandalf. God. So I think Uh, at that point, just wander back over to the two soldiers. And and by this point, Yelenskis come back with five troops from uh, Blockingstaff's division. Blockingstaff has stayed behind with them, though. 
Was it Block and Steph's division that we let take a rest? Exactly. Cool. In that case, we'll start sauntering back over towards the van where they are, I suppose, the car. Where the TAS agents are, the electrification van. I think slowly, but, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah. So, good point to take it back to um, Kopolev, who's just found this entry in, in this, what looks like a sketchbook, but has this journal entry. As I see them walking over, I close the sketchbook quickly, and I say to Trepanev, we have to act quickly. There is no time to lose. And I, I pack everything into the satchel really quickly, and I give it to Trepanev, and I say, don't let it... No, in fact, I don't give it to Trepanev. I keep it. I keep it. I sling it over my shoulder, and I try and intercept Dr. Lyubimova and... Um, uh, Lieutenant Fyodorov as they come over I walk, I meet them halfway and I'm very direct I walk straight over and I say comrades we have uh, we have to act quickly I do not want to be here when we run out of light but if we do I believe that our priority our number one priority at this point is to get those lights working they are disconnected I want them fixed surely we should be replacing the telegraph poles where they were originally from we cannot work in the dark, and I am concerned that we will uh, run out of light. I do not want this to happen. I want to be prepared in case this happens. So, we need to get the lights working first. That is priority number one. These and lights? I, these lights above this silo. Right. You're, you're implying we're all going to be working around the silo this evening? I just want a team of men fixing these lights ASAP which, as Akrimonov would tell you, means as soon as possible. I didn't understand your reasoning, that was all. Oh, my reasoning is simply that this will offer us a great deal of light if we end up in a situation where we have to work into darkness. I am hoping that is not the case. All of the lights are pointing inwards. I'm not sure they will provide much light to the uh, surrounding encampment. Would you like us first to climb the poles and uh, face the lights back out towards the camp? No. You would not? No. We only need to get them fixed for now. We can arrange them when we, it is dark, when we know where we are working. But for now, they need to be working. Well, uh... And the lights, the headlights on this um, mobile generator unit. I just need your best electricians working on these things. I have to say, you, uh, as the telegraph team, are probably... You are far more capable of uh, fixing up the lights than me. And uh, since I don't understand your motivation, perhaps your team should work on this? I have explained my motivation three times. Yes, you've explained that you want to get the lights to light up the silo three times. I don't understand why. Uh, forgive me for being stupid, but uh, your men are the telegraph experts, so perhaps you should work on that while we work on setting up the camp. May I offer a little bit of information? Please do. So if you, if you are keen to get the lights working again, it will certainly require a few hours' work and some skill in electrical repair. The truck itself, whether it's functioning or whether the fuel tank is running, whether the generator is working, but you imagine that if it's not, that will probably need some skill in mechanical repair. Well, I say to myself, Trepanev, we are just two people. There is a lot of work to do, and if we end up in a situation where we need to search this tractor station in the dark... It is best to have the lights working. We cannot risk working in the dark. Excellent. So I will tell my men to uh, get the lights working and to face them out towards the camp so we can see what is happening. It is not necessarily to worry about positioning the lights just yet. We just need to see if they can work. If they cannot work, then we will need to... I don't think we should camp here tonight in the darkness. 
given the situation, we cannot be sure yet what caused this fire, whether it was insurgents who have come and will come back. This sounds very sensible, Major. I also have a concern regarding disease. Is there a dead body in that truck? Might I uh, examine that, please? I mean, I'm assuming I'm standing close enough to be able to see that there is a dead body in the truck. Can I check the time as well? So you arrived at about 10 in the morning. You, it took you quite a long time to work your way through all the different barracks buildings. And you've been over here for a while. You're long overdue lunch if you wanted lunch, but, it's, but you've still probably got a fair few hours of daylight. Let's call it two, three o'clock in the afternoon. 4.30 sunset? Six o'clock, actually. It's sort of six to six is daylight. In which case, uh, I'm going to turn to Kopolev uh, and say, uh, fine, we'll, we'll check the lights first before positioning them. But uh, I think we should allocate some people to set up camp just outside of the, uh, the area, just in case. I, I don't see us finishing here with those jobs before nightfall. All right, then we have a deal. I, I think whoever is your best electricians, your best mechanics, they should be working on this because it only takes a, uh, as, as the old saying goes, uh, a Georgian, a monkey and an idiot can set up a camp <laughs> and put a tent up. A Georgian, a monkey and an idiot. I love it. I love it. Thank God there is not a Ukrainian. If I may, seeing as we will be working here into the night, it seems certain to me. Whether or not either of us want that, I certainly do not either. Uh, would it not be more uh, useful to uh, set up camp and uh, try to uh, run some, uh, try and uh, clear the area first and maybe do any work tomorrow morning with uh, completing the circuit? We'll almost certainly be working in the night. Does that make sense to you? Or do you think it's most urgent that we uh, get to work? With as much gravity as I can muster, I say, it is urgent that we get it done now. Can I do a, like, a psychology check or something? Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I may as well do the same. So what are you trying to find out? By this point, I think we're both convinced that he's not who he says he is. He's not the telegraph. The telegraph, man. And that sounds like he's got more information. That, I mean, the fact that he's so... It's so urgent. The fact he's so convinced of this, and what he's saying doesn't make sense. Why would we light up all these things pointing at one silo without repositioning? Re-establishing a very strange... I just think he's a zealot, and I think I'm getting bad vibes from him, and I just <laughs> want to check. Zealot. <laughs> okay, so so give me, a, give me a psychology roll. Hey, that's a hard success. Dr. Lee Mover, did you roll psychology as well or not? Yeah, but 82, so a big fail. The gravity of his, of his stare is so intense that I just start looking off at the other men, going, and, and I say, well, we're in a fine position now. Mm. Okay, fine. So, Fyodorov, with your, with your hard success, you, you infer two things. You infer that he is not being honest with you in general, about why he's asking you to do this. But you also infer that something has happened very, very immediately before this. He's, he's behaving differently to how he was 20 minutes ago. Do I um, notice 
the satchel slung over his arm. You're all wrapped up in very thick coats, and it might well be that he's got it under his coat. Give me a spot hidden. I succeed. So you notice there is something under his coat. If I may, there's a few things that you've talked about. So I'd just like to put them all on the table for you. You've just come across the van and found the body. Doctor, you were interested in examining examining this body. Uh, You've realised there's some big buildings over to the west that you, you haven't investigated yet. There was also the big pyre of cattle bones, it looked like, but maybe you weren't keen in going over there. You're, you're also expecting probably any time now the soldiers you've put to work on the, on the barn and the infirmary might be finished with what they're doing. And then in terms of fixing the lights and fixing the truck, I think it's worth being a little bit specific and saying, uh, I definitely am going to want a skill roll for both those things. So you might not be able to just put your men on it and forget about it. I think they might need a bit of help. I think I'm looking at I'm looking at A out of section four of the are these the barrack blocks? They look like garages from here, I think. Garages. I'm looking at that thinking, hmm. What the hell is in there? That'd be our next point of call, right? Yeah, they're they're the only thing you haven't had I think they're the only thing you haven't had a even a little sneaky look at. And there's another truck down by C which we haven't looked at. I might I might just say to uh Couple of. Uh, did you find anything of use in the uh, the car? Yes. What was that? I'd like you both to come and have a look at this. And I walk over to the car and swing the door open, and show them the body. Oh, there is a body in here, just like I thought there might be. <laughs> but look at this, and I I hold up the uniform, and show them that it's an Ogpu agent. He is working for the OGPU. Whoa. Major. Comrade Major, you know the OGPU? Da. Well, I've had no experience with them. I, I looked to Fiora. But you know what they are. Oh, yes, of course. Well, all good comrades do. But this is unusual. Why is he... He's wearing Red Army jacket. So I ask you... What would their or purpose be at the machine tractor station? <laughs> you ask us. I thought this was your job. I do psychology roles on both of them. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you not the one who is asking us? Now you ask us why this man is here? I think you know why this man is here. I want to gauge their reaction. I mean, it's pretty obvious what the doctor's reaction is. Um <laughs> but I want to gauge their reaction to the, seeing this uniform. Uh, okay, give me a psychology roll. Lieutenant, I will let you deal with the Major. Forgive me, I must focus to find out how this man died. It's a regular success. A regular success, and you were having a look at Lubomova, were you, Dr Lubomova? He's the one who's talking the most. Um, so I'm just going to ask you, Joseph, to uh, give Kopolev... If if there is a piece of information relevant to you, relevant to the OGPU that you'd like to, that you're currently not telling him. Sorry, I don't know your character sheet inside out, so I don't know whether you are hiding anything. No, it's, I like it. It's a really nice thing. I, I think the laugh was genuine, 
but for the first time, you notice that it's a defense mechanism that he does. And that maybe he's not as jolly as he appears to be. And, and that's the first real absolute confirmation cornerstone. You've noticed it a few times, and it's been kind of tingling on your nerves a bit, and you're kind of going, he does that laugh, doesn't he? He does these, and, and you just heard the big laugh, and, and then you realize he's just done the big laugh over at the silo when the two of us were walking over, and then you put the two together and you go, oh, it's this sort of masking technique where he's the big jolly doctor, the short, big, fat, jolly doctor, but actually underneath it, maybe there's more going on. And also, that's probably confirmed by the fact that he has somewhat aggressively kind of left that moment and is, and is going into the truck to get a grip on the scenario. I think that's fair to say. That's interesting. I turned my scrutiny on uh, the lieutenant as well to see what his facial reaction was like to the, the uniform. While he's getting his double psychology check, can I get a, a basic medicine check on... Yeah, sure. <clears throat> sure. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him roll again for psychology, so... I rolled a 17, which is nice. Okay. Yes, that's a, that's a hard success. It's a hard success. Okay, well, in that case... I can tell you, given your your profession and your expert rolling, I can tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, this man is dead. <laughs> it was more the fact that you said that he was desiccated that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I would have just gone first aid. Then I, I could work out he's dead, right? I, I can give you a bit more than that. I just had to dig it out. So, yes, he looks sort of mummified, and his body's just really it's, it's just really dry he's been dead for some time you can't tell how long uh, a quick look there is an obvious gunshot wound to his head it's uh, like an entry wound on his right temple and an exit wound on the left side of his head you'd need to do a proper autopsy to be able to confirm that the wound was self-inflicted at first look you're a professional it appears that it it probably is given you know the where the gun is, where the wound is. Put it this way, the gun isn't in his left hand, which would really start to ask questions about how that had been done. Because you said shot in the right temple? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the suicide is still definitely in the picture. That's, I think that's all, he, that's all he knows at this point. Absolutely. You, you think that's probably most likely at this stage, but you, you, know, you wouldn't want to confirm it. So have you done another psychology role, Kopolev? I'm spending three points to make it an extreme success. I see the sweat on his face. So he hasn't even said anything. Exactly. You're just sort of judging by his reaction. His reaction... It's the quiet ones, isn't it? (laughs) His reaction to you mentioning the OGPU. Well, I can tell you how I'd probably react from my reading of it, but... Okay, yeah, yeah, you you go. I'd rather you did. So um, I think... I like it. I like well, you've it. had an extreme success, so I'm assuming you just see straight through me. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I think the initial thing you notice is probably panic and annoyance and fear, very quickly masked by resignation and sort of depression. <laughs> it's like the eight stages of grief. Welcome to Russia. I, and then, because it's an extreme success, I think... Fyodorov looks back at you and you see in his eyes the fact that he's seen straight through you and he knows you're not 
telegraph officer. He knows that you probably know more than him about this mission. And uh, he's not, he's no longer surprised by your sort of attitude or anything. He he knows that you know more than you're saying. And is that fair? Fine with me. Well, that's what he thinks. It's what, that's what he's thinking in that moment. I think it's that thing of, oh, for fuck, fuck, fuck. Oh, of course, of course, of course. And then, and of yeah. course, this guy's here. And of course, we're running into fucking dead secret agents. And then I say very pointedly, I say, what was in the silo? Liquid. Liquid. <laughs> Write that down, Triapanov. Write down liquid in the silo. Trepanov says, Dugov, write down liquid in the silo. <laughs> How do you spell liquid? Liquid in the silo? Yes. <laughs> Six squid in a philo? <laughs> <laughs> this man has been dead a long time. When was the last time we heard from anyone from this um, experimental vicinity um, tractor station? The what? This is clearly an experimental tractor station. Don't try to kid yourself. Why do you think it is an experimental tractor station? <laughs> Look at it. It's a burned-down tractor station. Trepanov says, gentlemen, gentlemen, I think we all know that this was a, a test dairy. Yes. It's common knowledge. It's This is common knowledge. I don't know what has gone wrong here, but clearly there was uh, this was a successful farming area and... Now it is not, and maybe, maybe there was uh, a falling out of a lack of food. We can see even from the car causes on the way in that starvation can turn people nasty. Perhaps it is something as simple as that. Let's hope it is. As I say, when was the last time we heard from this place, Lieutenant? Do you know? I mean, um, we we sort of established in the last one. We'd not been here before. We were sort of aware of it and we'd been, you know, around our general area, so near-ish, but we'd never been to this place. Maybe you do know. So it's March. I don't think you've heard anything from the tractor station this year. At least a few months. So desiccate, but desiccation in three months. Does the cold sometimes do that? You're the expert, I don't know. I say, um, Trepanov, with me. I want these lights fixed. Let's get a detail together and get them ready. Da, da. Um, so do you want to... Uh, do you want to stride off? <laughs> As he's striding off, Commissar of the Party Law, I just wanted to check. Did I see the mouse nest? Because I've been playing as if I have seen the mouse nest, but... I did, because I took the lid off, I think, and then it was him who reached it. I don't think you saw the way it crumbled like dust. In which case, unfortunately, I think I go, hmm, I don't know, maybe it's possible, I don't know. And I suck on my pipe and lean, lean on my gut. Well, on my belt, but my gut is quite expensive. Give me an intelligence roll, Dr. Yes? Have you passed? Yes, I have passed it. It's 55, right? Yes, just. Oh my god, 52. Okay. You're just sort of slightly putting two and two together with your medical mind and remembering that that rabbit mm. smelt like a rabbit that had been dead a lot longer than five minutes and that 
the food in the kitchen didn't have any mold on it and it should have done yes yes that's the thing that i was missing and that the the mice you could see they were all sort of uh, dried up you couldn't see that they were dust you didn't see what kopolev did but you're just sort of starting to think that there might be something that you're missing something maybe atmospheric that is accelerating the process of death and decay in this area you could you couldn't really put your finger on what it is but everything seems to point in the direction that uh, your conventional understanding of how much time things take to die rot decay it's too much this body is too much it's yeah, ex- yeah, it's accelerated yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm leaning on my guts nonetheless my my belt and i'm sucking my pipe and i i just I just stare out towards the, uh, you know what? I stared out, out to the southwest to where we saw the burnings. I just, I just keep staring. In the meantime, I'm going to, I'm going to keep step with, uh, Kopolev because I'm concerned about him starting to order my men about. Sure. So, before you do, Triapanov um, says, um, Major, you want um, Dugov and I to take a look at the truck and the lights? Maybe one of us to look after the truck and one to look after the lights? Yes. Yes, I think that would be good. All right. So, okay, I'll let you decide, Major, because um, you are the Major. Dugov is... Uh, much more highly skilled in this sort of stuff than Trepanov. I send Dukov up up to, to uh, I appoint him to be in charge of whatever team we get to look after to get the lights working. And then I ask Trepanov um to talk privately with me for a moment. Right, fine. So Dukov says, uh yes, of of course, um uh, he's, you know, he's a lieutenant, so he feels confident that he can, even although he's young, he could take a couple of the uh, the men and instruct them to start fixing up some cables. Excellent. Does, does that mean your striding off was comedically stopped by your junior officer? I suppose so. I think we've probably stopped sort of halfway between the truck and the... I mean, I just want to check, because, you know, the striding off was very dramatic, <laughs> and I liked it. And I felt like you had the upper hand. But now uh, Trepanov and Dugov... Have kind well, of they all st- I think they all strode off together oh, I see. had a bit of a then, had a bit of a, uh, they had, a, they had like the Russian telegraph service chat yeah. yeah we're all in it together I say to Dukov whatever you do don't let them rearrange the lights until I'm ready to say we can da, of, co- of course sir. <laughs> keep them pointed into the silo <laughs> of course sir he says looking sort of, sort of nervous and obedient I think with, th- with that I snap out of it I walk over to Fyodorov <laughs> Oh God! If it'd be fair to say, I've caught up with them just after he's sort of given them those orders. I'll sort of say, "How many men do you think you need for each uh, task?" Well, how many have you got that are gifted with electronics? Well, you, you can see them here. I have to admit, not not all of them are specialists. I'm not sure any of them are. But um, if if your men are specialists, I can give you as many men as you need. You know. Uh, well, whatever you think of. A couple on each task and five. the rest to set up camp? Yes. Let's have five men. Excellent. Um, Triapanov says, I only need 
maybe one to fetch and carry in case the vehicle needs fuel, but I like to work alone. Okay. Well, we'll have four men all on the lights and Kriapanov with me on the truck. So Dugov's gone off to the lights. He's uh, met up with the men who've been put on that job with him. Kopolev, did you say you wanted to have a word with Triapanov? Yeah, but in private. In proper private. Do you want them to take the headphones out? Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe that would be better. Because it's sort of the spirit of this scenario, I guess. So, Kopolev. Uh, so Dugov, Dugov is looking after the lights. I will go and take care of the truck. I don't need any help. I do not know what Dr. Libomova is about. I cannot suss him. He's a drunkard. No, there's something else going on. At first I thought perhaps he is one of the Ogpu agents, but now I'm not so sure. I think he is even more complex than that. But... You want me to take him out? No, not take him out just yet. We need to know for sure what his agenda is. Tonight maybe I take him out. <laughs> You're always so keen to take people out, Trip. Um <laughs> Well, it's been at least 48 hours I haven't taken anyone out. Well, I think they will be taking out before the day is over. That's good to hear. With Liubomova, I need you to keep eyes and ears open. I need to know I need to know where he goes alone and who he talks to. Fyodorov is a different matter. I think he is an Ogpu agent. When I showed him the uniform and Liubomova was giving his great big spiel, Fyodorov was silent. He looked afraid. He looked like the uh, the little um, he looked like the little child whose babushka has caught him with his hands in the cookie jar. <laughs> no dinner for no goulash yeah. for him, <laughs> no no borscht for him tonight. Um, that is what he looked like. I think he's Ogpu agent, and I think we need to get him alone and ask him some difficult questions, and then if necessary. All right. Well, it is no use us going back empty-handed. We need to get as much information, concrete information as we can. I think I think the lieutenant saw something in that silo that he's not telling us. And I think he knew that... I think he suspected there would be something there. Yes. I think he knows what was going on at this farm. Look at this. And I show him the, um, the journal entry. Let me just read it out loud. Failure. The lights did not hold it back. Did not hold what back? I was by the generator truck when the lights were activated. There was a moment of silence, then a ragged cheer. We began to move again and to load the truck. Suddenly one of the poles came thrashing down. I saw it pour around the silo and begin to pluck people up. I saw it pour around the silo. Hmm. And began to pluck people up and put them inside it like a man picks berries into a basket. I I don't know why. Leapt into this truck and it seemed to pass me by. I turned the lights on and perhaps that is why it stays away. Old Bukovich led a group of them back into one of the old barracks. It somehow got inside because I heard their screams. Soon the building was burning and it was pulling people out. I saw it drag goods in out the garage burning oh god i'm the only one left it wants me and i know that when the night comes or the lights on this truck fail it will come i hear it i cannot let it win i will find my own escape in these last minutes i think of my grandfather and his warm chair the sunflower filled fields in 
what a man thinking of this grandfather and his sunflower fields Sasha and Evgenia perhaps I will find my way there the light fails you will know if I escaped Lieutenant Pavel Chirikov I think he did escape in the only way he could it sounds like he was mad what pours what pours and plucks what pours around and plucks people up when I asked Fyodor of what he saw in the silo, he said a liquid. He did not say water or milk or he just said liquid. They have put the the um they have put the telegraph poles to secure something in there. I think something is living in the liquid that is very dangerous and is clearly photophobic. We need those lights working. Listen, you and I have both seen some strange things, but this is childish nonsense. No, this is the bogeyman. I will not take any risks. Well, you, you're uh, you're the boss. I will get the truck working. Dugov will get the lights. You know, you can trust us. Either way, we need Fyodorov to squeal like a pig before the day is out. Yes. Or I know any ways do you know anything about him that we could use as leverage? By Fyodorov? No, but I know a way to make a man squeal like a pig. <laughs> Excellent. Well, when we have our opportunity we will strike. Be ready for my command. <laughs> <laughs>